0: Hey guys, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Man, all right. Good, good. Thank you to our worship team uh, and our media team. I know that, uh, like Pastor Ivan said, today's setup is obviously very different, and so things are in different places, and so uh, it has required them to adjust and adapt and overcome. And so anyway, uh, thank you to all of those guys. I want to begin today by just recognizing some special guests we have. Uh, And before I tell you who it is, let me tell you a little bit about this person. Uh, So this guy used to be on staff with me here at the church. And in some ways, we owe the fact that we're here uh, to God speaking to this guy. Um, Pastor Pharaoh, and I met. I had been feeling like God was leading me toward Mount Olive, and I didn't know if that meant... With the bridge or without the bridge, I really wasn't sure um, how that was going to happen. And so I went to my senior pastor, Pastor Farrell Hardison, and I said, here's what God's laying on my heart. And it was amazing because he said, Andrew, God's telling me the same thing. And so that's always a relief. And, uh, and so we kind of talked about it and prayed about it for a couple of weeks And then finally, he said, we need to take this to the staff. And so we'll go into staff meeting. And we started saying this. And at that point, it was kind of a, hey, guys, God may have put something on our heart. You know, we feel like it's a God thing, but we want to see what you're thinking. Before Pastor Farrell finished talking, this guy popped up out of his seat and he said, God's been telling me the same thing. And I know that we're supposed to go. And it, 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 at that moment, it changed from a, a hope and a dream and a, is God saying this to, Okay, now we've got confirmation. It's time to figure out. It might be hard. We don't have everything worked out yet, but this is where we're going and we need to get there. And so uh, knowing that with all of that information in mind, I want you to meet my friend, Pastor Jeremy White. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, Pastor Jeremy in the house. Give him a big Welcome. His wife Sabrina's here, but she's got such a servant's heart. We probably put her to work, so I don't know where she's at. She's probably back there watching some kids or something. God bless her. Uh, but anyway, so pumped to have them here. I know that it's, uh, it's never an easy thing to get a pastor in the house on a Sunday morning because we've got so many other places that we're at. I also want to say a special welcome to Pastor Tim Snyder in the house. Pastor Tim, would you raise your hand? Let's give him a big bridge welcome. Any other pastors in the house? <laughs> I, I didn't feel, um, I didn't have any level of apprehension about preaching this sermon until so many pastors showed up. And now I feel a little bit like I'm getting graded. So we'll just see how it goes. But anyway, uh, guys, we have been in a sermon series for the past couple of weeks called We Need to Talk. We need to talk, and it's all about communication, and so for the past few weeks, what we've been talking about is the power of words, and and words can build others up. Words can tear others down. Uh, scripture tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and so I'm not going to get into a big review, but what I am going to tell you, it's been a couple weeks since I've reminded you, but... If you ever want my sermon notes, and I didn't, so this is right here, but that's the email. You can just send that to me, and I'll be happy to give you the very notes I preach from. Also, I want to tell you that we have a Bridge uh, Facebook Live group. And so if you want to be added to that, not because you just don't feel like coming to church, but if you're ever like sick or in the hospital and need it, then uh, you can send me an email, and we'll be happy to add you to that group as well. Uh, we hope to at some point, just to give you guys an idea of where we're going, uh, we hope to at some point in the near future be able to make that public, but right now uh, the just the quality of the video is not where we would want it to be to be public yet. And um, So anyway, that is something we are working toward. All that to say this, let's go ahead and dive in. This week, I actually had a married couple come to me and the guy told me, he said, Pastor Andrew, man, these sermons have been stepping all over my toes. You've been getting me. And I just know I've got to start talking to my wife better. I need to start talking to my kids. I need to start watching the things that I put on Facebook. And so it's really cool because it's not me. I assure you, it's nothing like I'm just not that good. But when we open up God's word, here's what happens. It's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When we open up God's word and we see scripture, and then we compare that to our lives, the Holy Spirit gives us revelation. He brings conviction so that we can become more Christ-like. And that really is the goal that we would be maturing in our Christian walk so that we can be more like Christ in our everyday going around walk. And so I love that. I love when people tell me that the Holy, you know, Holy Spirit conviction is happening to me and all that. Um, I'll tell you one other story just real quick. Had another husband and wife couple, they came to me and they said, Pastor Andrew, at the end of week one, uh, in week one of this sermon series, you used a passage and they were talking about the passage from Matthew chapter 12, where it says that on judgment day, we are going to be held accountable for every word. We're going to be held accountable for every word we've ever spoken. And scripture actually says for every idle word. It means you weren't even thinking about that. You didn't even plan to say that. But out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we're going to be held accountable for that. And she said, at the end of that service, my husband leaned over to me and he pointed at that scripture and he said, hey, baby, If something happens to us and we both leave this world at the same time, you go on in. I might get held up at the gate for a little while. (laughs) He knew he had some splaining to do. God was going to want to talk to him about a couple things. So anyway, I love all that. Today, we are switching it up. We're not going to talk about talking. Today, we're going to talk about the power of listening, the power of listening. I know a lot of people that aspire to be a better speaker. I'm friends with a lot of pastors, and, and that's one of our passions. That's a desire of ours. We want to be better in the pulpit. We've got the greatest story ever told. We've got literally the gospel message. How can we be better communicators? Now, for some of you, uh, you guys are, it's not just for pastors. You guys aspire to be better speakers, better speakers in the boardroom, better speakers in the classroom, if you're a teacher or what have you, in uh, meetings Meetings, whatever the case, there is a lot of us that aspire to be a better speaker. But I wonder how many of us have ever aspired to be a better listener. Is that even something that's on our radar? Have we ever thought to ourselves, you know, I need to develop some listening skills this month, or I want to be really intentional about listening. I would say chances are the answer is no for a lot of us. We it's not even something we think about, and yet this is a sermon series all about communication. Half of communication, yes, is talking. It's through body language. It's getting our message across. But the other half of communication is about receiving. Well, it's about hearing and listening to that communication, and so, uh, and so. We need to get better at listening. Let me ask you this question. I want to see hands. How many of you know a bad listener? Anybody know any bad listeners? Anybody? Okay, hands up all over this auditorium. Some of you were scared to raise your hand because you're sitting next to the person. (laughs) We all know bad listeners. Hey, there's a guy I know. And I, uh, I'm not going to say too much because you'll figure it out. But <clears throat> I'm in a situation where I have to be around this person. And this person, he is a terrible listener. And everybody knows that. And so nobody tries to talk to him. But here's what he does. He's learned. He will ask you a question. And then as you are trying to answer the question that he asked. He interrupts you. I can think of few things more frustrating than that. It's like, dude, you, I didn't even want to talk to you. You asked me, you baited this, you had this whole thing figured out. And so it's absolutely frustrating when we when we have a bad listener in our life, but and we all know them. But I wonder, and don't raise your hands on this one. How many of you think you are a bad listener? Again, don't raise your hands. How many of you would say that you're a bad listener? I would venture to say chances are not many of us. I don't I know I'm not a bad listener. Now, you know, there's some other people I could point, but but we don't think we're a bad listener. I I heard about this study. It happened for the first time in 1980, and it's been redone several times since then. And in this study, here's what the participants were asked. Do you think you are an above-average driver? Do you think you're an above-average driver? Now. Just follow me here. I know I went to Bible college, but I know math well enough to know. Average is 50%. Okay, so, so if you think you're above average, you th- there can only be 50% of people. Only half of people can be above average. Are we, we clear on that? We good? 90% of the people polled thought that they were an above average driver. 90%. The number can only be as high as 50%. What are the chances that these people, when they polled a random group, that they found all above-average drivers? The fact is, that's just not right. You'll love this. We've got a lot of college students here today. Uh, they asked college professors. 94% of college professors rated themselves as above-average related to their peers. so they looked around they said oh yeah here's all my teaching buddies and peers oh yeah I'm better than most every one of them 94% thought that they were above average trust me they did not get the students to answer on that poll because you guys know some teachers and at the end of the lecture you're like what you know I don't even understand what just happened So there's this term that I want you to understand. It's called illusory superiority. I'm going to say it one more time. Illusory superiority. I want you to say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Illusory superiority. Here's what it means. Whoa. Hello. (laughs) All right. I'm going to have to get over here. I can't even see. Illusory superiority. This is a scientific condition of cognitive bias. That means it's, it's in your head. It's mental bias wherein a person overestimates their own qualities and abilities in relation to the same qualities and abilities of another person. That, that is the reason, illusory superiority, that is the reason that 90% of people think they are above average drivers. That is the reason why you think you have the best looking lawn in your subdivision. That is the reason why you think your kid is the smartest kid in, that, in their class. And you think your kid is the best ball player on their ball team. Now for some of you, that might be right. But I guarantee if you were to ask every parent there, every parent thinks the same thing. And they can't all be right. And it all stems back to this illusory superiority. Illusory uh, has the same root as illusion. It, It is a superiority based on illusion. It's not real. But there is this cognitive bias. I love me some me. And I think I'm pretty good at everything I get ready to do. And so here's my point. Here's my point. And I didn't ask you to answer this question out loud or raise your hand because I didn't want to set you up. I knew I was about to trap you and I just love you so much. I didn't want to do that to you. Most of us in this room think we are good listeners. Yet, do we ever take the time to ask the people who have to talk to us? That one stings a little bit. I know. Nobody, there's no, you know, no amens in the house. That's okay. I'm going to keep preaching. Do we ever take the time to ask, how am I as a listener to those who have to talk to us, to those that we're in relationship with, to our kids, to our parents, to our spouse, to our classmates, to our peers, to our teammates? Do we ever take the time to ask, how am I as a listener? Chances are we may not always like what we hear. So what I want to do today is I want to lay out some principles from God's Word that are some principles for listening. So let's just jump right into it. Number one, we should listen because God said so. We should listen because God said so. Now I know some of you, I saw some chuckles on the front row. I hate to hit you with this one right up front. Because I know that your parents told you this too. And I know that when your parents told it to you, just like my parents told it to me, I hated it. Well, do you have a reason? Can I stay up late tonight to watch the ball game? No. Why? Because I said so. Any parents ever said that? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we have a lot of reasons and sometimes it's just, you know what? Because I'm ready for you to go to bed, and I just need a break. And you wouldn't understand that, you know. So God said so. Uh, God tells us to listen 352 times in Scripture. God tells us to listen 352 times. There are a lot of those cases where he does not give us a reason other than, you know, the obvious. He's God and we're not. But in a couple places, he does give us a reason. And so what I want to do is I want to go to one of those, one of those 352, and I want to look at the reason God tells us. James chapter 1, verse 19 <clears throat> says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It's important you understand this is James who's writing this. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now, undoubtedly, growing up with Jesus, there was a time or two where Jesus dropped one of those little divine pearls of wisdom. James picks it up. And so right here in this case, James says, Hey, hey, dear brothers and sisters, lean in. Listen to this. you got to understand something. Take note of this. Have you got your pens and papers ready? Take note of this everyone should be, say this next part with me, quick to listen. Let's say it again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We need to be quick to listen. But as I read that, that doesn't even make sense. You ever thought about that? Quick to listen. What does that even me. I can't hear you faster. <laughs> I, how do you? I can talk faster. Sure, yeah, I can, I can speak faster, but how, how can I be quick to listen? Well, when you go back to the original language and just allow me to have a little bit of creativity with it, you go back to the original language and look at it for yourself. But here's what I think it means. Uh, the point that James really seems to be trying to convey here is that when you are in a conversation... Your ears need to arrive to the conversation early, and your mouth needs to arrive to the conversation late. Ears early, mouth late, quick to listen. Quick to listen, why? Because we need to be slow to speak. We need to not be so quick to jump in with our thoughts and our opinions and our helpful advice. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And James goes on to say, why? So then you'll be slow to anger. Because the longer we listen, the more we understand. The more context we have. The greater the sympathy and the empathy. We just just gain more understanding. Did you know that everything a person says makes sense to them? Stop and think about that for a minute. Everything a person says makes sense to them. I'll go one further. Everything a person does makes sense to them. Here's why that's crazy. Because you know some people this week, and they said or did something, and you just had to like shake your head. That's crazy. You thought that to yourself. Maybe you even told them because you were quick to speak and slow to... But but everybody, everything everybody does and everything everybody says makes sense to them at the time. And so going back to what James says, so we got to be quick to listen. We, we've got to allow our ears to arrive early and our mouth to arrive late. Because after I've heard them for a while, it gives me a greater understanding of why that made sense to them. And then here's what it does for me. It diffuses the bomb of anger in me. See, anger's a bomb. That's, that's really how we need to think of it. Anger, if if you lash out in anger, oftentimes, blah. You say something, and once it's out there, it's out there. And, and you can apologize later, but you're apologizing with words, and you hurt with words, and it takes a lot of words to undo whatever it is you've done. A lot of times when we blow up with anger, we, it could be physically, it could be in a number of different ways. The point is, it is that bomb of anger. And then if you don't explode outwardly, it's almost worse. Because then the bomb of anger explodes where? On the inside. And now all of a sudden that person has no idea how mad you were or how upset you were or maybe still are. And you've got a completely different opinion of that person and perspective of that person. And it all stems back to the fact that we let the bomb of anger blow up in us. Here's the deal. We all know what it's like to be hurt by someone who wouldn't listen long enough to understand. Every single one of us has been hurt by someone who had about half the facts They heard some of your story, some of your side, some of why you did what you did or said what you said, but they wouldn't listen long enough to get the whole story and to get the whole understanding and they blew up and they spoke and the bomb of anger blew up and we all know what it's like to be hurt by someone who wouldn't listen long enough. So I think that's why James is teaching this. Let me just say it one other way, and then I'll I'll go away from it. We would say, we would think, okay, James is teaching us, listen first, and then what? Speak second. But no, no, no. In in reality, in actuality, it's more like this. Speak first, or excuse me, listen first, and then speak tenth. So I'm going to listen Listen, 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 <sighs> listen, 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 and then I'm going to speak. And by the time I get ready to speak, I will have more understanding, and that bomb of anger won't go off. So how do we listen? How should we listen? Just some, just some tips for listening, and you guys can just take a picture of this or jot this down and, and judge yourself on it. Let's put them up, guys. <clears throat> How should we listen? It's just simple stuff. Make eye contact. Use body language. Communicate that you understand. Say, yeah, huh, I get you. Yeah, or nod your head or something. Be present. Give your full attention. Again, I know these things seem simple, yet how many of us have had a conversation with someone who was doing about half these things wrong, and you left completely frustrated. And they're sitting there thinking, well, I listened to them. What's wrong with them? Why are they mad? So I just want to encourage you. Ask those around you, how do I do with this? Do you feel like when we talk that I give you my full attention? Do I make eye contact? And so again, uh, these are simple things, but they are things that dramatically affect The listening experience. So we should listen because, number one, God said so. Number two, because we all want to be heard. There is something in each and every one of us we desire to be heard. That that when I communicate, I'm not just saying it for, for my benefit, I'm saying it because I want you to hear and understand. And there's a big difference between hearing and listening, isn't there? Hearing, if you have ears and eardrums and if your anatomy works properly, hearing is just kind of a natural function of life. Listening takes conscious effort. Listening requires intentionality. So there's a difference between hearing and listening. And we all want to be listened to. We want to be heard. When I I say that, I can't help but think of Job. Job said this in Job 31, 35. Oh, that I had someone to hear me. Look at that exclamation point. He's not saying it like Eeyore. Oh, I wish I had someone to hear me. (laughs) Well, that was good. Thank you. Job's like, oh, that someone would listen to me. I mean, nobody cares. Nobody listens. Let me tell you about what happened this week with me and my beautiful bride. So Monday, the boys' daycare was closed. And she had to work still, and so I kept the boys. And one of the things that we kind of pick about, I pick on her, is sometimes when she gets home, She unloads. Now, she's an elementary school teacher. And so, you know, she, in a lot of cases, hasn't had a lot of adult conversation. And so... And she's going, and I'm like, whoa. You know, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. I don't even have context. I don't know who some of these people are she's talking about. I didn't know about this drama between Susie and Carol. And so she's, you know. And so I don't even have the context to be outraged whenever she tells me what Susie did to Carol. And so anyway, she'll, and I'm like, are we done? I don't even know what just happened. And Monday... So Monday, I'm telling on myself, let me just own up to it. Monday, I've kept the kids. I've been at the house all day. She gets home. I literally open the door to the house for her, and I start. And it didn't hit me what I was doing. But about 15 minutes later, I looked at her and smiled, and I said, I'm doing it, aren't I? That thing that I tell you don't do to me, I just did it to you. But I've been home all day and I just want somebody to hear me. And God knows my boys don't listen to me, you know. And so Job's kind of in that same boat. He oh, that somebody, that I would be heard, that somebody would hear me. And so let me, let me give his friends credit. His friends come. And, and if you're new to this whole God-Jesus-Bible thing, let me explain, Job. Uh, Satan and God have... This conference. They convened. It's kind of weird, but that's what happened. And God tells Satan, have, have you seen Job? Man, I'm awful proud of him. He is my guy. And, and so Satan says, well, of course he's doing good. You've, he's blessed. Look at all the stuff you've given him. Anybody would serve you if they had all that stuff. And so then God said, okay, take it from him. Satan comes and, and wipes him out. I mean, nothing left kind of a deal. He's still serving God. Satan comes back to God and says, well, he's still serving you because you've still let him have his health. And so God says, okay, take his health. But don't take his life, but you can take his health. And so Satan comes. At this point in time, Job has lost his family, he's lost his flocks, he's lost his health. He's now covered with boils and just in terrible physical shape. And and he's lost, okay, his health and his wealth. Everything about uh, his life that Satan thought it would take to break him down, Satan has now taken from him. And yet Job is not going to curse God. He's not going to push back on his faith God's still in control. And so at that point, enter Job's friends. Now let me give Job's friends some credit. They, when they came, the Bible says that they saw his grief was great. So what they did was they just came and they sat with him in silence for seven days. Let me just throw this out there. If you know someone who's hurting, the ministry of presence is often what they need more than anything else. We, we rack our brains trying to think, what can I say to them? How can I? Oftentimes the biggest thing they need is just for you to be there. And so Job's friends come and they give him the ministry of presence. They are there. And, and Scripture tells us they sat with him in silence for seven days. That's pretty good. The problem was that when Job... Got around to talking. When he started to speak, they started to talk to, and they started saying things like, <clears throat> "Well, Job, here's what I think's wrong. Well, Job, who sinned, you or your parents, that this great uh, calamity has come upon you?" And so they started in on Job, and I love Job's response. It's in chapter sixteen, verses. We're going to read two through four. Job says, I have heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters. That whole coming and sitting with me thing, that was pretty good. But other than that, you're horrible. All of you, will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you? I was asked that a lot as a child. I never knew it was Scripture. What ails you? That you keep on arguing. I also could speak like you if, I were in, if, if you were in my place. I could make fine speeches against you and I would shake my head and I could do all of those things too. But it wouldn't do anything. And I would never do that to you. If you keep going in verse 5 and beyond, it says, Job says, I would try to bring comfort to you because what I need right now Job's most pressing need in that moment. I need somebody to hear me. I'm going through the toughest days of my life. I just need somebody to hear me. Somebody who cares. Think about actress Diane Kruger. Diane, she's she's famous. She's been in several movies. She's a German-American actress. And uh, early on in her career, she was offered this role where it would make her a household name. But she had to play this woman who had lost her husband and her kids. And Diane was young. She said, I didn't even have a category for that. I had never experienced that kind of grief before. And so I I, I knew I couldn't play this part authentically. So in some later interviews, she said, so what I did was I decided to go to a grief support group. And in that grief support group, uh, I made some mistakes. The first couple weeks, I heard these people and they were talking about what was wrong and they're crying and they need help. And she said, I started giving them advice. I started trying to help. I started. And she said, after a couple weeks, it finally dawned on me. The realization hit what am I doing? If I will be quiet, that is what these people need most, is someone to talk to. And through listening, I will be able to learn what I need to learn for my role. And so she said that what followed for the next several weeks were life-changing for her and for the people involved because Diane learned how to listen. She disciplined herself to listen. So we should all listen because we all want to be heard. And then number three, we should listen because wise people listen. Wise people listen. Of course, the opposite of of that is true as well. Unwise people do all the talking. Foolish people talk. Talk, 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 talk. And occasionally they'll be quiet, but it's just because they're preparing what they're going to say next. It's not because they're listening. I see some people laughing right now because you know some talkers, and now you know what's wrong with them. They're foolish. (laughs) Hear me, guys. Nobody has ever talked their way into a diploma or a degree. They've learned their way into one, and the only way you can learn is to listen. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Solomon here is showing us it is beneficial to listen. When we listen, we become wiser. And with that wisdom, that'll give us the wisdom to continue to listen so that we continue to get wiser. In another place, God told the prophet Jeremiah to say this to the people of Judah. Jeremiah 5.21 Hear this, you foolish and senseless people. You have eyes, but you do not see. Who, oh, excuse me. Let me read that again. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. You guys have all the ability. You have the ability to see, you have the ability to hear but you don't use it. You're so caught up in your own stuff, in your own pleasures, in your own pursuits that you aren't using the God-given abilities you have to perceive what I'm doing in this age. This is what God is telling the people of Judah through the prophet Jeremiah. Does that sound familiar? A couple of months ago, Pastor Ivan shared a message with us. I was shocked by the statistics he gave us. The average person spends 11 hours a day either on their phone or watching TV being entertained in some way. Is it any wonder that with that much time that we spend pursuing all these different things, we don't spend much time listening? So here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you. I'm, I'm landing the plane. I'm finishing. I'm wrapping up. I want to finish by challenging each and every one of you, and me too. I'm going to commit to do this as well. For the next week, here's what I want us to do seven days. That's it. If you don't like it, don't do it anymore after that. I want to challenge you to listen to others, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Make it a game. See how long you can get them to talk. I mean, really, ge- genuinely ask questions. Be curious. Seek to understand. Really listen to others. There will be some people in your life, they will be blown away. <laughs> They'll be like, whoa, I never knew they cared so much. So, so listen to others. Here's the other part of that. Listen to God. Listen to God. How do you listen to God? You read his word. Commit right now that you're going to spend five to ten minutes every single day this week reading God's Word. I know there are people who have told me before, mostly guys, Pastor Andrew, I just don't read. I don't read anything. I don't like to read. On your phone, there's an app you can download called the YouVersion Bible. It will literally, the Bible will read itself to you. It does not get any easier than that. But we listen to God's word. Then then, commit that for five to ten minutes I'm going to pray. And then here's the other part. Commit that for five to ten minutes each day I'm going to just sit there. And this is going to feel a little weird. And this is going to feel strange if you've never done it. But for five to ten minutes I'm going to sit there in silence. No TV. No radio. Phone's going to be in the other room. And I'm going to Listen hear me guys, God wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us. We are his kids. Can you imagine your mom or your dad, if they had the opportunity, they would want to talk to you. But will we ever be quiet long enough? Will we ever take the time to listen? We have ears, but will we listen? Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person who delights in His Word and meditates on it. Meditates. That's not legs crossed, palms up, humming. That is, you read God's Word and you think about it. You, you take time to let it marinate in you. You meditate on that Word. That's when God speaks. John ten twenty seven, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. God is our shepherd. He leads us by his voice. And so if we don't take time to listen, we're often confused about where to go. What should I get involved with? What shouldn't I get involved with? What do I do? Take five or 10 minutes each day to listen. And then, hey, listen. If at the end of this week, if next Sunday you're like, tried it, didn't work, okay, don't do it anymore but it's going to work. It's going to work. And I think it will so radically change your life. You'll commit to it from then on out. There is power in listening. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can hear from you. I pray. Um, I just pray for each and every one person under the sound of my voice. the The temptation in a message like this is to start... Thinking about all of the people that this is for. <laughs> well, I wish so and so would have heard this and this would have been good for them. And God, I believe that you have each and every one of us here this morning, not by accident, not by chance, but because of your divine purpose. Help me to see, help Andrew to see where Andrew needs to become a better listener. I believe that it will affect my relationship with you. I believe it will affect my relationship with every other person I come into contact with. God, I pray that we would all make that same commitment, that we would resolve to be better listeners. I believe wholeheartedly the result will be healthier marriages. It'll be a better relationship with kids. It'll be a healthier relationship with our supervisors and our peers at work. And and the implications will keep going. God, give us the desire to listen. Give us the discipline to listen. And God, very humbly, we pray that you would speak. And that you would give revelation as we become quiet and attentive to hear your voice. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen.